Hi everyone, this is Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. In this semi-sober interview, I got to talk with my old shipmate, Preston. Preston is one of my closest and funniest old shipmates, and in this interview, we go deep. We semi-soberly discuss different topics like, do wooden boats have more of a spirit than boats made from other materials? The time I was hitchhiking in Japan and briefly became part of a Shinto priest group. Lots of boat maintenance lessons. Uh, by the way, folks, pro tip, the only thing worse than painting yourself into a corner is painting yourself into the head rig. And how Preston used his nautical knowledge to keep himself safe when going through the worst part of Oakland at 3 in the morning. So please enjoy this interview with one of my dearest old shipmates, the amazingly funny and, dare I say, attractive, Mr. Preston. This is how I sound when yeah, I, I think... talk when I'm not drinking. <laughs> so I, th I think we're ready to go. Uh, I got my manager here, Mr. Mr. Preston. How goes it, sir? Hello, good sir. Good <laughs> to see you again. It's good to, it's good to see you again. I, I didn't know you were going to be my manager, but since uh, you seem to know everything there's to know about uh, production value, as I do that in quotes... I'm pretty good at faking my way through it. Yeah, and, I, and yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but you offered to pay me to be your manager, I believe. So <laughs> you have it. I believe you have your payment right there. <laughs> hey, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another drinking interview of Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. I am with Mr. Preston, one of my old shipmates. Uh, one of the funniest humans I've ever met in all my life. Very humble. Uh, just an all-around amazing human being. Unintentionally funny, I think. <laughs> Quite often, yes. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. So, Preston, mm. uh, take us to the beginning. What's, what's the beginning for you? Is there a beginning? <laughs> what? Be beginning of what? Beginning. Let's let's start with boats. I guess I guess this is called nautical knowledge. Yeah, nonsense. I think that's people what you're going after. I guess. Isn't it? Fine. Yes. Yes. I was going to spice things up, but let's start with boats. What what is what was your first boat experience? Gosh, how many people have you interviewed? I've interviewed that, that, eleven people. That probably started out by saying they saw pirates. Zero. You're the first. Really? Yep. You're the first. The closest was uh, Miss Jenny Storm. Oh where yeah. She did. Uh, I, I don't think it was pirate movies. She might have included pirate movies amongst reenacting and amongst mm -hmm. multiple things. So you actually, sir, are the first. Sweet. I'll I'll score that point. All right. Um, One point see. for Preston. Well, pirates and masculine manner came out pretty close to each they other did. in name. This is true. And I, I saw both, and then I, I don't know how I found out about the lady. I think it's just. Like one of those specials behind the scenes thing, okay, right? Yeah. That they watch. Well, you're talking about the, the original, the first Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, movie yeah, yeah. that Disney made. So, right. The, yeah, Lady Washington was, she went, so if you watch that movie and watch the extras, they have like a diary of a, a ship or something, diary of a tall ship. And so they actually, that's the one. Brief, you know, they do a brief kind of synopsis of, uh, or synopsis of their journey south down to the Caribbean. Right. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I really, 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 really hope. I get to interview Michael Kellick because yes. he's an awesome captain. He was actually there. Yes. I think he was chief mate, if I believe, and he was doing a lot of that filming. 
because uh, he'd done, done work with Hollywood and right. all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, he's super awesome. Um, yeah, Michael, if you're listening to this, please, I want to interview you, buddy. <laughs> I, want, I want your stories. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, they're really wonderful. So, yeah, so, so they, they did that. So that's what that's how you heard about Lady Washington? Yeah, and then I, I, I watched it. I found out that people still actually do that kind of thing. Like, um, tallship was still a real thing, or is still a real thing, that some, you know, selective people do um, to keep that tradition going. Yeah. And I found that to be kind of kind of rabbit hole that I, I kind of search and seek through. Um, eventually ending up, of course, at Grace Harbor because that's... Um, so then, on Lady Washington. Right, which, and then applied. Yeah, which was the inter- Interceptor right. Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I applied. I borrowed money from my family for the volunteers program. And then um, sent in a check, sent in my application, and never heard from them ever again. <laughs> for about 11 months. Oh, wow. And then the office emailed me and said, sorry, we just found your application <laughs> at the bottom of a pile of paperwork. Are you still interested? <laughs> I'm like, yes. I, I thought I wasn't accepted or something. Never having heard from them ever again. Uh, they're just like, oh, this guy looks way too funny and nice. Forget it. We don't want, we don't want him. No, no. We, we want jerks on the crew that's it. <laughs> so that so was quite a long wait and i think between pirates and then actually joining grace harbor and then i watched magic commander and i just kind of kind of dive into the, that whole world nice. um it's a little bit more actual history yeah I, the, I, I went fantasy. to san diego I, I went to see the i mean um what do you call it these days this the it, surprise yeah or the surprise i don't right. know right so now it's rose converted to surprise yeah, yeah. Um, as a dockside attraction now, and yeah. that was so inspiring. Well, thank God they sat on your application because otherwise we might not have met. You might have gone on before me, and then mm-hmm. we, we, who knows? Who knows what fate would have done? So I'm. It was just it was just one of those things where it worked yeah. out exactly the way it needed to work out. Yeah. Qu- quick disclaimer, folks: uh, there is new leadership at Grays Harbor, so a lot of the stuff we talk about when it's negative. It's that's not necessarily how it is today. So, all right. Now, now I remember distinctly, I remember a few things when you came on board. You gave us quite the impression, but, um, Uh well, well, I mean the very first impression. So it was this, this quiet, like Thai American guy who just, they didn't say a word. Like he literally said nothing. We're like, who is this guy? You know? And then we had a a muster, which is the, the evening morning and evening meetings. And then the, the evening muster, um, you know, we kind of went around and talked about the day and then it got to you. It's like, so Preston, what, what do you think of this? And do you remember what you said? What did I say? You said, I love you guys. <laughs> and that was it. You were part of the crew. Like, <laughs> it, was, it wow. was just like totally, out of, I love you guys. It was like, okay, we love this guy too. <laughs> All right. That was, that, that was me waiting a year to, <laughs> to get into that program. So it was, it's finally being there and then getting accepted and then being on board. Didn't you, you told us you stood on top of tall buildings to get used to heights and to get used to looking over the mass or yards. I mean, yeah, I used to, I mean, you did as, as tall as one could get around, you know, in, in the cities, <laughs> you know, 
but like um you know walking on on those those parking lot dividers that kind of stuff okay just you know like getting used to the feeling but it's it's just kind of fill in I, I like I said I had a whole year of imagining between submitting the application and actually being accepted because I thought I got rejected so that was my my coping mechanism, <laughs> right? It was like well I didn't get accepted but it, if I was like maybe I'd be doing this and this and this, and um, but yeah that was the, um, the first day. Um, when I got accepted, they they told me to go meet the boat in San Diego, um. And from LA, that's and being college age at the time, I wasn't disposed to just drive down to San Diego. So I had to find a method of transportation, which was a most convenient route at the time was taking the Amtrak from okay. LA to San Diego. And it was kind of a short walk from San Diego to the pier, yeah, to San Diego Station to the pier. So I figured I would do that. Um, they, they didn't give me any specific about when to show up or anything like that. They just said, just show up. Don't, don't know. <laughs> like, okay. So the way the Amtrak schedule worked, I arrived there around noon. Mm-hmm. Um, got off the train at the train station, carried my big old duffel, heading towards the pier. Um, and I saw... I believe the lady was uh, rafted to, I think, either the California or the Lynx at the time. In any case, they were getting ready to leave. So I was, I was thinking, okay, I could make a run for it and try to make it, or I can just hang back, right, and just wait for them to come back, but I don't exactly know when they're coming back. So I better just run for it. Yeah. Right? Um, so I... I hopped over to the to the rafted boat. I, like I said, I don't remember. It was a California Lynx. And I went to the chain. And I said, I am supposed to be on the Lady Washington. as <laughs> a volunteer. And they just looked at me and said, okay, come on over. <laughs> so, so they just tossed me in your duffel. I, I, I tossed the duffel um, over the rails. And, just, just, and then they said, just hop over the chains. Um, and I did. I landed on deck, and then not a second later, um, you know, we pour mooring lines, mm-hmm. and then we just headed out, and that was, and it was a battle sail. Oh, whoa! And That's they, okay. And they just tossed me in. Okay, now you're on this brace station. <laughs> Great. You're like, you're like a baby. Like literally, you know nothing. And, and I, yeah, I, I like came. On, <laughs> from from nowhere, that's amazing. I I had no idea what world I stepped onto, but it was very, very sudden. So what was what was, I mean? Describe your first battle sale. What was it like? You, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so one thing I remember about you, Preston, when when you were on the boats, is you had the best callbacks ever. It would be like you're like, all right, hands. I love that fast, right? Yeah, and you would just scream like, hands set the thing. You, so on, on a ship uh, with a large crew, you gotta you call things back, and, and you can see it in like you know military movies and and uh, just any any ship where you got a lot of people, you, you you generally call things back. That way, does does a few things. Number one, it lets the people know you know the person giving the command they know you heard it correctly. Number two, they know they said it correctly because sometimes people will call back literally what was said, and they're like, oh. No, I thought that, but I, I thought something else. But I said something different. 
And then number three, there's like when everybody's calling back at the same time, you get like this 300, like, you know, you know what are we Spartans? You're like, huh? you know, like that kind of feeling. Come on. Uh, yeah, this, that, that sort of like raw, let's do this kind of feeling. So there's lots of good reasons to call back. But, but I remember you would be, you'd be like, all right, you know, Anza said the thing and other than the whole thing. And you'd be screaming like, all right, rah, 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 these brilliant calls. And, and like, all right, that's well belay. Like, that's well belay. Like, you had this funny way of <laughs> finishing. The, it was very, like, relaxed way of finishing the callbacks. It was pretty great. I just really enjoyed my time on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go back to that time on the boat. So or I, guess, I guess we're there. I'm sorry. So one of my fondest memories, there is, uh, there's one quote where um, somebody, I, I, I think maybe I was talking, because I wrote about it in, in my journal, or it was in the quote book, and it's like, um, I said, okay, you know, let's, let's go back to where the captain is, and this kid's like, I want to be second captain, and I was like, no, like, that ain't happening, and then, and I said, no, you guys go with Preston back there, and he's like, I want to be second Preston, <laughs> and they're like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I remember you told me that before. You don't remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you so you probably don't remember the time that we were all partying, and we went over to my buddy's place, and we were just singing songs and having a blast and drinking like crazy. And at one point, you just passed out on the floor, and like we were all circled around you, toasting Preston, like "Here's to Preston," and singing songs in your name, and you're just like sleeping on the ground right there. I mean, by definition, I would not remember. That. <laughs> I suppose you wouldn't remember it, but it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Oh, those were great times. Um, different culture. Different culture. Yeah. Well, I remember you telling me, because, yeah, like the whole singing and stuff. Like, you, I remember you telling me one time, you're like, Johan, when I watched Master Commander, I thought the singing was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite get it. And because then, it just happened. Yeah. But then when you're in, you know, when you're on a boat in that culture and you start singing together, like all of a sudden it, it makes sense. It, it really does. Yeah. Um, that's a good point you brought up because I still can't, um, like, translate where that is. <laughs> because, like, Lynn, uh, my wife, I, I explain to her, like, sometimes we just sing. <laughs> and she doesn't still, you know, she doesn't get it. Like, I'm trying to explain, like, why that is. And it's just not. I don't get it either. There's, it's just I, something I, all, you do. All I know is that, yeah, we're all hanging out, drinking together. And then there's just this point where... You just feel it in the air yeah. where it's like, and now we could start singing and make this fun five times more fun. Mm -hmm. Except except for the people that aren't used to it. Some some people, it takes them a while to warm up to it. But but most people seem, I mean, if they're not having fun, they're faking it really well. That's all I got <laughs> to say. Like, and, you may, They may, after the fact, be like, oh, I can't believe we sang about that horrible thing. But during the time, they're laughing their butts off. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's... It's quite specific to the Tallship culture. Because I've hung out with other people before that are not from Tallships, and it's not like we suddenly start singing when we're well, drinking. Yeah, I got a whole episode on, on sea shanties and stuff, and I'm, my take on it is it's, especially in America, that culture's been lost. Like, you still, you go to Europe, you know, go, go to the football matches, right? Their, their soccer matches, and they're still singing and chanting the way they have for thousands of years. I mean, it, mm. it feels... It feels beyond medieval. It, like like when you go to German soccer stadium, it's like, whoa, this is like German barbarians versus the Romans kind of stuff. I, really? I, I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. 
But um, so you still have that. I mean, you got other cultures that uh, that sing all the time. I, I find, but yeah, for some reason in America, we just you know I kind of go into it in the episode where it's like it's a little bit of a show. Like like we turn things into a show in this country, mm. and it's like not everybody can sing in front of hundreds of people. Like like that's that's kind of a special thing. You know, it takes practice for sure. Well, here's an antidote. All right. Um... I this one time I recently got off the boat and um, I went back to college and then I was invited to a party like a dorm party or something a house party or whatever mm-hmm. um, then we, I went there with my friends and we drank and then I thought it was the right mood that I started singing <laughs> um, and then I was shut down pretty quickly oh. and more or less got kicked out for, for, I don't know what you call it, interrupting um, the, the spirit, but um, <laughs> rowdiness, I don't know what you would call it, but it's just, just not a thing that's really welcomed outside of the boat, which, which makes it more special. Well, I find my trick to getting other folks to sing is that so there's a couple, like, I got a few songs in the back of my head for certain occasions, mm-hmm. and... And if you and they're they're simple enough that you can quickly teach a chorus, and they got a couple funny punchlines, and and so my trick is like, oh, this couple's having a, a wedding anniversary, I've got a song for you guys. Hey everybody, and this is the chorus, and and you you know it's the uh, the mama madam I'm a darling, you know that song. <laughs> it's a great song for that. You know, it's got a great punchline in the end that pokes fun at the husband, and it's perfect. So <laughs> especially if the husband's an old man, it's great. <laughs> but but basically. Like when you teach everybody the chorus, when you get an upbeat song, when you kind of preface it with there's a purpose to this, I find people get on board real fast. Like, and that's that's kind of the key. So it's sort of you got to assess the crowd, but if the crowd isn't a hundred percent, you know, like you got to kind of manipulate the crowd. I I hate to use the word manipulation, but but you got to encourage the crowd. You got to give them a a meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. a point, a purpose. I'm kind of talking on my butt right now. It's it's also (laughs) your setting, right? Because Oh, yeah. I I mean, I was at a college party which they they would have nothing of anything that's out of alignment with what they... Though, a lot of the crazy songs and and like raunchy songs I sang and brought to the boats, that came from college. That was in the marching band. But but there again, Fair enough. marching bands more, you know, and, and then our, a lot of our songs came from the rugby team and a lot of their songs probably came from like World War II vets because there's, right. there's choruses and verses <laughs> relating to World War II in some right. of the songs, which is kind of awesome. And all songs we sing are just from pups yeah. in general. Um, there, there's an antidote that's kind of opposite of what I, I, ah. I said before. We were at um, You Can Help Me. It's one of the, one of the go-to pups in Westport. Which oh, man. That? Uh, what were I, I forget the names. Well, nonetheless, I could describe it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> lots of people getting drunk, pretty divey. Yeah, right. that was it. Right. I crossed from that hotel. <laughs> I just made bosun like a few days ago, so it was a pretty high spirit, and we went to that pub, <laughs> and then, you know, a typical Wednesday night, Thursday night, maybe mm-hmm. because that's when we go to bars. Um, I just started belling out, patty layback. Right, um, and it was like maybe three or four of us there, and then eventually more of our shipmates came in later, uh-huh. kind of stream in, and and then you kind of kind of join in, and then eventually we just we all just bail out, patty laid back, nice. and I was leading, 
and it was it was a great time. So um, it worked. Oh yeah, that that no, was the no time that worked. No sound system was on. Sound yeah. system was on when we overpowered it. Wow. Easily. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So that's usually the biggest hurdle is to get the freaking music to. Well, that that's that's why it's one of my favorite memories because despite that, usually we get shut down. Right. Because they say like, hey. We already got music on. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, cut it out. Like, God forbid. You guys right. are having fun together? <laughs> Trying to include us? No. <laughs> well, I have an anecdote that is your anecdote, sir, that is um, similar to the, uh, how shall I put it, the inappropriate timing and context. And so I remember you, you came to muster one evening, and we were, we were wrapping, you know, talking about the, the end of the day and what everybody did and stuff. And you came... Yeah, I mean, you must have had a day off or an afternoon off or something because you came in and you're like, as, as your muster top, first of all, you don't have to say anything at muster. Like there, <laughs> you know, usually you go around and the captain be like, hey, officers, what happened? And you kind of check in with the bosun and the engineer and the steward and, you know, all these different officer groups, the, the uh, officer corps, the leadership corps, whatever, that, uh, uh, you, you know, they say what they did in the day and kind of, you know, we, we all check in with each other. And then it's like, oh, yeah, anybody else got anything to say? And Preston, you get up there and you're, you're like, well, I went to the ice cream stand and I got shot down by the ice cream girl. <laughs> and so like, we were like, what? So you had asked her out or something. And you're telling us this whole sob story. And then I think it must have been Rob. Rob, it sounds like a Rob. So I think Rob said, Preston. Were you in your funnies when you did this? And you're like, yeah, I was in my funnies. <laughs> you were totally dressed up in your 18th century costume asking this girl who you've never met from the ice cream stand out on a date. Well, and how... Yeah, you got shot down. Yeah, how funny is not a, you know, like a pickup thing. It's hey, it's, yeah, yeah, You're never going to know. There's always lightning strikes twice sometimes. Or I don't even know what to say. I'm bad with analogies. But, but there was a time... Where I believe that that type of inappropriateness, we might have saved your life. Who knows? Uh oh. No, because you talked about you were going through a bad neighborhood at some point. I, I don't know where or when. Oh my goodness, that was Oakland. That was oh okay. Yeah. Well, tell tell us the tale, that's, please. That's as bad as bad can be. There are bad neighborhoods in Oakland, folks, mm. or certainly were 15 years ago. I don't know if there's that much story to tell. It's it's okay. Well, if you must. <laughs> I think the evening started when um, I was invited by some local friends to go to a bar. Not the ice cream girl. No. Okay. Ice cream girl was Morro Bay. Ah. So this was quite different. Um, to that ice cream girl out there, oh, you missed the best night of your life. <laughs> Just saying. She's probably a grandmom by now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Right. Oak Bay. Uh, Oak Bay. Oakland. Oakland. <laughs> Morro Bay. The other side Oakland. of the bay. <laughs> So a short story that I was invited out to a bar, and then I, um, I was having a talk with a girl um, until the bar closes, and then as it turns out, by the time the bar closes, I had to find my own way home. Um, which was quite away from the boat at the time because I don't know how I had gotten to that bar <laughs> because we had, with my friend, had hopped it on several rides of the subway 
And this is pre-smartphone. I mean, this, oh, yeah. this is like, there's no Uber. There's no freaking map on your phone to, oh, totally. to get you home. This You're, is way totally pre-smartphone. Yeah, this, this is the dark ages, folks. Yeah. Like, you can't imagine. I mean, no, nobody knew how to go to the bathroom. It was crazy. Celestial like, navigation. Yeah, how do you drink water? Charge, like, you name it. Nobody knew anything. Yeah. All right, so. Right, and they had already left before I, uh, before me. Um, so I had no direction home. So how did I get home? Which was the boat? How? I think I, I think I picked a direction, right? Because there wasn't a map on your phone, mm-hmm. right? I think I started calling people on my contact list and see who was awake at two or three a.m. Oh my gosh! Right, and I, and I, I stood at a corner, and I told them, this intersection, tell me which way is the water, like. Do I turn left or right? Right? And then it took several tries. And I found someone who was awake and then walked. And then she talked me through which direction to head to the water. Wow. And then I think the story you're looking for is that I I came to some kind of realization in my mind. I probably have to walk through some scary neighborhood. <laughs> and I don't know how long it's going to be. I know it's several miles. <laughs> Yeah, at three in the morning. Right. I mean, there there were late night buses. They were called um, what are they call the Owl, right? Okay. Like the, the three a.m. bus. So I stopped at one of the bus stops. They came up once an hour or so, mm-hmm. according to the schedule, and that's on the bus stop. And I thought that was too long. I could, I could walk home by the time that the that the bus would get here. So I made a try for it. But point being is that I didn't want to be bothered while I was walking home. So what would one do to not be bothered while they're walking down at 3 a.m. through Oakland? Through unknown neighborhoods. There's only one thing to do. (laughs) There's only one thing to do. (laughs) You can be as loud as possible. Right? And then that would that should kind of fend off most uh, and and what can you do to but, be as loud as possible la- while yeah. you're walking? So you could sing. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking through this I'm walking through this Oakland neighborhood. Like I I still don't know where I was. Like I cannot find it on a map. <laughs> So I I can't tell you which neighborhood this is, but so I just sang everything I know as loud as I could, and then when I ran out of song, I started calling sales <laughs> because between singing shanties and calling sale to everyone else, that it it just looked like that I was crazy, and yeah. then they would leave me alone, <laughs> which worked. Um, Can you give me or just give an example? I don't know, like <laughs> you know, hands to braces and ready about <laughs> kind of stuff. Rice tacking sheets. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, thought, they you know, you the, the basic evolution. <laughs> Except that I yell them, so that it sounds even <laughs> even more amplified. Yeah, like um, you're talking to other people in general. Yeah, it's great. And then when I ran off shanties. And I ran up calling sales, and I, that's when I started drunk dialing everyone on the contact <laughs> list. and just started yelling in their phones. 
And then I got home by 6.30. <laughs> so it was, that was a three-hour walk. Oh, my gosh. Right. So at some point, I could draw a radius of how far I could have I started and find out where that bar is. <laughs> I just don't know what that bar is to this day. Well, <clears throat> part of part of this podcast is uh, people can learn from our mistakes and also learn what we did well. And and I think you, sir, in, in that story, did a bit of both. <laughs> oh yeah, like, don't go out to a strange bar with a stranger that you never met and then walk <laughs> walk home. But if you're going to, hey, sing sing sea shanties and call sales. See, folks, Gosh. it can save your life. There and, you go. <laughs> and these days, you do what? You pull your phone and you call an Uber, and that's it. Yeah. Right? They don't know. Oh, if, you're, <laughs> if your life isn't risks when, you know, when going out to a bar. Right. Yeah. Kids these days, they haven't lived. They don't, they haven't lived unless they know they're. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty. That's great. It's a good story. Now, I believe, sir, that you would occasionally get seasick. I'm a sir now. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Preston, sir. I believe, uh, do you have a favorite seasick story? Only on occasion, is it? <laughs> um, when did I not get seasick? My goodness. <laughs> I honestly don't right? know. I don't know. You were, you were pretty prone, if I recall. Um, I think it depends. Gosh, seasickness is so weird. And it, it, it did depend on your mood. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because I remember when... When we went out um, from Ventura to Catalina for mm-hmm. that overnight trip, I wasn't seasick at all. Oh, you're talking about your bachelor party? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should, we should talk about that. So we we took, I don't even know, how, how did I wing that? I, I can't remember. But basically, you chartered the Lady Washington, and we did an overnight trip out to Ventura. And it was a small group. It was you, your brother... Your father-in-law. father-in-law and maybe one other person, I think. There was like the person from Nassau. Who was that? That was a father-in-law. That was your father-in-law. Okay. Yeah. There was like four people in your group. Yeah. So so we were able to bring you guys on board mm-hmm. and basically do a training sale. You know, we just did like an overnight sale. So I think we I think we must have had programming earlier that day. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, we'll head out to the island, anchor, spend the night, you know, sail around, come back. So it was, was a good trip. It was good. It was a great trip. Yeah, I think it was just, was it the one night or was it two? I can't remember. I think it was just the one night. Just the one night. So it was pretty sweet. You know, go out, set sail. Mm-hmm. I remember your, your, your father-in-law, who um, was the Nassau guy, he's, he's like, oh my gosh, Nassau's got nothing on you guys. Like, he was so impressed <laughs> with us setting sail and just planning the trip and all that. It was, it was like, oh, that's, thank you. That's a nice compliment. But, uh, and then, oh, and then at your wedding... Um, I remember he was talking about the bachelor party in a speech or something. He's like, oh, yeah, gosh. and it was, it was so great. And we went out and we sailed and we didn't even drink. <laughs> it was the best bachelor party ever. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah. Enough. So yeah, we weren't, yeah, you weren't seasick then. And, and sometimes, you know, the Channel Islands, if you get the right swell, um, it, well, first of all, there are times where there's very little wind. So you do actually get, unless you're getting, you know, and even then, if you get long rollers from the ocean, most people don't necessarily get sick from long period rollers. It, it kind of depends on the person. Mm. I, think, I think there are like some people that are very not prone to seasickness that actually those long rollers will get them. Um, but they, they weren't high. Like, like, and then you have Catalina Island, which will you know sm- you know that'll break up a lot of the heavy swell. Like you go to the west side of Catalina, I mean you can you can see it just geographic. Just look on Google Maps. Um, you can see. The the east you know, southeast side of the island is 
South, does it run southeast? I forget. It runs northwest-ish, I think, actually. Anyway, this, the side facing L.A. has entirely different geography from the side that's ocean-facing. It's like it's much more rugged. It's much more beat up by the surf. You, you get bigger waves out there. You'll, you can actually go surfing out there. It's pretty sweet in some spots. I think Shark Cove, they got... Uh, they, nice. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. You get some good waves there sometimes. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. so so we, we must have gone out to Isthmus Cove because that's a great spot to anchor and go ashore. And... Yeah, we did a day hike somewhere. Yeah, that would have been Isthmus yeah. probably. It's, it's the easiest. Yeah, it was a sweet trip. But for me, I think it's like um, if you get the, the slow roll and no breeze, mm-hmm. I think that's when it gets me. Yeah. Especially if we go aloft because it's <laughs> amplified. Of course. Right. Or go below. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's amplified. Yeah. Um, my seasick story is that's what you're after. <laughs> that's what everybody wants to hear. That's okay. Every episode so far. <laughs> okay, then. Um, there was one transit. Now, unfortunately, I can't remember from or to where, but it's probably off Oregon. Okay, that's... that's I think that's why I remember the most because I was looking out over the rail mm-hmm. uh, middle of the night and I saw lights right like sprinkle very far in the distance um, and I remember thinking those fucking Oregon people on this shore <laughs> with no seasickness and that's where <laughs> I want to be so it so it's probably somewhere outside of the coast of Oregon, um, but I, I was I also had the flu at the time, um, and then it was it was like a watch of maybe three people on deck. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Bruno was one of them. Okay, yeah. And I think I think the watch leader was Daryl, Daryl Hall. Yeah. Um, and I was completely useless between the seasickness. And having the flu or something. Kyle Bruner's nickname is Styles. Yes. Right? He was Styles, and then Daryl Hall is Elf. Yes. Those are their nicknames. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty much so many nicknames on boats. It's awesome. Legendary known rights. Um, so I was on a watch. Um, I was so incapacitated between this being sick with the flu and the seasickness. I was just kind of collapsed on the deck. I was kind of like hiding out in like a corner mm-hmm. between the deck and the rail. And I remember telling Kyle, um, it's my turn for the boat watch, but I like can't even stand up. And he told me like, don't worry, I got it. Yeah. And he did two, um, two or three boat watches. Oh, boat checks, sorry. Boat checks for me. Mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of, kind of person he was. And I, I remember specifically telling him or Daryl that when I get to shore, I, would, I want to go see a doctor because I am not feeling good. And then it was either, either one of them told me, all right, like, what am I going to do for you? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of sent me back. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I'll just sit here and be miserable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Dang. Well, I, I remember hearing a, a story. Um, I remember hearing that expression one time. We we had a guy uh, named Joe Bar 
who was on the uh, he was on you met Joe Bar? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Where'd you meet Joe Bar? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different Joe then. There's only one Joe Bar that I know of. Okay. It was this, well, what's the story? Well, Joe Bar was, was this uh, older engineer guy on Liberty Clipper. And just like your, your classic sailor sailor. I mean, this guy had all, all he did was work on boats, engineering all over all types of boats, had a story for everything. And just, just a, a dirty, rugged old time sailor. And uh, he had broken his foot. Like, I forget what happened. He somehow uh, somehow broke his foot. And I'll, I'll, probably in some future interview, I'll, I'll narrow down what happened. But he's just like, yeah, what are they going to do with a broken foot? Like, you can't do anything. And, and right. we're like, Joe Bar, that, like, you could be crippled for the – you could have pain for the rest of your life. Like, it's not a toe. It's your foot. You need to go to the doctor. And so mm -hmm. he, he did. He did go to the doctor. And they reset it or something happened. But he's just like, oh, yeah, what, what are they going to do for a foot? They can't do anything. It's like, no, they can, they can do stuff for a foot. It's your, your pinky toe they can't do anything for. But, but uh, So it's pretty funny. But, yeah, tell me – well, see, now, Kyle, I only got to meet Styles. gosh, I mean, only once or twice. I mean, it was pretty my, – my biggest memory of him was at the bar. And he just – I just remember him being full of energy, like full of tons of energy, very charismatic. Yeah. Um, borderline out of control. Not, mm -hmm. gonna, not gonna lie, he was always oh, not borderline. Okay, he was out of control. <laughs> All right, let's let's be honest. He was out of control sometimes, but uh, but a character, charismatic. Yeah, what, what, I mean, can you tell 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 me more about Styles? Because I, I didn't know him that well, honestly. Um, I'll tell you this. So this one this one year we had a pretty good tour together, and then I left before he did. Um. Went back ashore. I was in college at the time, so I went back to college. Um, and then several months later, the boat finally came down south. I think it was in San Pedro. We should and tell folks that the Lady Washington and Chieftain at that time, um, they would head north for the summer, and then they would head south for the winter. Yeah. So oftentimes the boat was sailing like 360 days out. Of it. I mean, it was a lot. It was like, she was sailing year-round, year round, basically. Yeah. yeah, she never hauled out, never... Uh, not every year, but it was. We worked those boats pretty hard, mm -hmm. and we were doing maintenance whenever we could, <clears throat> which is kind of standard procedure for most tall ships. But usually, you get a winter maintenance. You usually, get hauled out, get new bottom paint or whatever. But we were we were doing the very best we could with very little time. So anyway, Southern yeah, so Southern California for the the winter time. Yeah, and you bring up maintenance exactly in the in the theme of the story. Um, I went back to visit the lady in San Pedro, um, and I found Kyle. I think he, he made bosun mm -hmm. by the time I got back, and he was doing some maintenance, and he was... Um, there weren't very many crews left, I think, down to like maybe six or eight, something like that. Wow. Um, so he was, he was picking up most of the, most of the work, um, just kind of you know, keeping the, the boat going. Yeah. Um, by the time I found him, uh, he he was particularly on the quarter deck on the port side. He was carving out a chunk of wood from the deck, um, from one of the plank, because it had rotted. Oh. Um. So it's like so, putting a scarf or something. Or yeah. Something? Exactly. Okay. So so I asked him what he was doing, and and he's exactly that. He he was putting in a new, a new. Carving out a rotted piece of wood and putting yep. a new plank of wood or a chunk of wood. Um, 
And while I was doing so, I was complaining about just kind of, you know, boat culture in general and and how the office had sent them all green hands and no one could do anything. <laughs> very typical, very typical Kyle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's maybe, what do you think? Is it like maybe four or five inches long by a couple of inches wide? Okay. That kind of piece of wood. Port side on a quarter deck. Um, and it, and it, to me, it stands out because you got this long, nice plank of wood, right, on a quarter deck, and then, and then there's this chunk in the middle of one of the plank. So I see it all the time when I go back there. It's still there. So that's the thing. It's 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 as far as I know. Last time I went there, it's still there, and it reminds me of him and that interaction for so long. Um, even now that he's gone. Um, so it's just one of those things where you leave a mark on a lady. And it's just one of those things when he did, where people walk on and people would not notice unless they look for it. Yeah. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's just kind of a ghostly, ghostly present that people leave behind. And that's just one example. And I'm sure there are tons of other examples that of people I never met that left their mark on a lady that improved it. Um, or didn't improve it. There's definitely a large varnish stain somewhere that I caused. <laughs> I learned the hard way, folks. Uh, yeah, you want to take that bucket of varnish and put it in a small container. So if you spill, it doesn't go over a third of the quarter deck or whatever. But the captain was still impressed. He's like, wow, you really got the crew together to clean that up. I was like, Captain, when I screwed up, he's like, no, but you got the crew together to clean it up. You, you reacted. So that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's the important part. Yeah. But I probably shouldn't. I should have laid down a tarp. Yeah, so simple rules. Yeah, lay down mm-hmm. tarp, big container, put it in a small container. Well, that's how you're Small learning. mistakes. Yeah. Small, small, you know. So, yeah, no, it is incredible. And, yeah, and there's something about boats, especially wooden boats. And it sounds so stupid and silly in this, this age and era. Um, there's a certain, and they call it animism is the actual anthropological term, where you, you, you put a spirit into something. But this is kind of a common thing in other cultures. I mean, you go to Japan, you know, and like you got the Shinto religion where literally everything has a spirit. I mean, mm. there's a reason you're blessing your freaking business and your house. And, and I, I was lucky enough to, I was hitchhiking across Japan with this funny English fellow named Alan. And um, and he and I were, were dressed up in costume and, and we got picked up by these Shinto priests. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't know what we were getting into. Um, they did this thing called the Shishimai. Uh, so they, they were like, it was like a, a dance that you would do with drag. You know, they had like lion's heads and they'd fight and they'd read this proclamation. And basically, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a really long story. I'm going to make it super duper short. But we went, we went to this, we didn't know what it was at first. So I'm like trying to talk to the guy, figuring out what's going on. He's like, I'm a priest. And he showed us pictures. I'm like, Alan, I think this is really cool. And so I called up my girlfriend at the time. And she was Japanese, and so she translated for me. And she's like, oh, he does shishimai. I'm like, what's that? And it's like, he's a priest. He's a Shinto priest. They go around scare away evil spirits from people's houses. I'm like, what? That, that sounds awesome. He's like, yeah, and they're inviting you to their priest house tonight for a feast. And oh. then you can join them tomorrow to scare away evil spirits. I'm like, Alan, we've got to do this. And, and, I forget. <laughs> and so we, we went, 
And it was it was this once in a lifetime, like maybe one in a thousand foreigners or one in ten thousand. I have no idea how many foreigners have ever gotten to do this. Mm-hmm. But like this was a very there. I've seen other Shishimai groups since then. You know, now that I could recognize it, and like these guys had this these beautiful lacquered lion's heads. They had. We went to their priest house, and it was all tatami mat floors, and they had an entire wall. And I, I forget the size of it. In my in my memory, it was you know, 30 feet by 12 feet high. I and mean, maybe it wasn't that big, but that's what my memory has, where it was a wall loaded with sake, two liter bottles of sake, like oh, no. hundreds of bottles of sake and rice, like rice stuffed in between these sake bottles because they got paid in rice and sake and money. They got a lot of money because oh, uh, I saw sweet. it with my own eyes. Yeah, uh-huh. so like they had, they were <clears throat> rolling. And so we had this massive feast and then they like showed us videos of the Shishimai thing. They're trying to explain it. And it was the funniest thing. And then we all slept on the floor like you do in Japan. It's like every night's like a slumber party with, uh-huh. str- with strangers or friends or your your fellow teachers. Like imagine sleeping with your workmates on the floor like slumber party style. That's what they do in Japan. And it's awesome. We can do that on tall ships. It's on the tall ships, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, folks at home, imagine like your, your office workers. Like, hey, guys, let's have a slumber party on the floor at <laughs> my house. Like, yeah, I'd like to see what they say. But it's awesome, and why did we stop doing that? It's so cool. Anyway, long story short, oh God, I can't tell a lot. It's an awesome story. So we're sitting there, we're having a feast. I remember the, the one priest, Alan, and I were sleeping. You know, in, he was in between us, and he's like, "I've never slept in between two foreigners before. This is great." It was hilarious. <laughs> we all fell asleep. The next morning, poor Alan, he woke up with a hangover, hangover from hell. Oh, sure. And and he couldn't speak much Japanese, or at least his Japanese wasn't as good as mine. And unfortunately, I went off with the, the group that could speak more English. So he's with, he was with a group that could only speak Japanese. So he could barely communicate. Oh. And I wasn't hungover. And I felt pretty good. And we went to this beautiful village that was, you could tell everybody was pretty well to do. All the houses were, were new. You know, you could tell they were well off. We must have gone into 100 houses that day. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was dozens at least. Mm-hmm. And it was the craziest thing. Like to go into, I mean... Think about it. Like you're going to like almost a hundred people's strangers, a mm-hmm. hundred strangers' homes, going physically into their home, like physically into wherever the problem is, like you know, and and reading a proclamation, and then they do a dance, and I was the taiko drummer. I blah, 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 you know, I had to had to start slow and then blah, blah, build it up, <laughs> and it's the weird. So I've had a few religious experiences in my lifetime. Um, this this one I did. I had like probably the most. It, it just it sounds weird, even to talk about it now. Just like that's the weirdest thing because it's so foreign to our culture. But I swear to God, I had a religious experience doing this. Like, and I could tell, I could tell half the people we went to. They're just like, oh, when are these guys gonna leave? Or you know, they're just doing it out of tradition. Some people flat out said, this isn't my tradition. Go away. You know, <laughs> and so, but some people were praying. They were they're on the ground, hands put together, literally praying. You know, taking it very seriously. And, and somewhere down the road, I started, like, I just started feeling something. I can't even explain it. It's, it's weird. I started feeling like we were doing something. And I'd remember a few things. Like I remember, I remember this one house we went to where there was no wind. You know, even back then, I guess I could feel, you know, feel the wind or whatever. There's no wind at all. Mm. Not, a, not a breeze. And yet the shutter was moving. Like, like it was like something was like, the shutter was moving on this house and we go there and we do the whole thing, the Shishimai thing. And we left and that shutter was shut. It was no longer moving, you know? <laughs> and then there, and there was one family. Oh my God, they came out. 
<clears throat> and they were just like, we weren't even at the house. And they're like, in the bathroom. Or, no, no, no it, was, it was like, in the living room, in the living room, go in the living room. We're like, okay, we're, we're, we're going. We're going, like, bam, we're in, we're in the room and we're doing the thing. And then we're about to leave. Like, no, no, in the bathroom. Go in the bathroom too. <laughs> so we're doing the, <laughs> the whole thing in the bathroom. And uh, there, were just, there were just many, many magical moments that whole day. Um, and then Alan, like, like if, if I remember correctly, he was kind of like, yeah, why did we do that? <laughs> but, no. but for me, it was, it was incredible. Oh, that's the other thing. The priest, he, before, this is, he picked us up. He's like, where do you guys want to go? Like, we can do anything. And, and we're like, well, we want to go home. And like, oh, no, no, no. Like, like, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Where do you want to go? And we were at Lake Biwa, which is, I think, the, I believe that's the biggest lake in Japan is Lake Biwa. And... And I like, I like history. Like, could we go somewhere where maybe they have old armor or swords or stuff like that? So we went to this old, I, I believe it was a swordsmith, like an actual traditional swordsmith. Oh, wow. And he pulls out this 350-year-old samurai sword. Wow. So this predates Admiral Perry coming in 1853, uh-huh. know, the U.S. fleet. This predates the major restoration. It predates all that history um, by a few by hundred years at least more. Yeah. And uh and so he hands me this sword and all I can say is it was perfect. I mean they, they say, you know, I, I know there are debates online and on YouTube about the quality of you know traditional samurai swords. I don't yeah. know if you ever held the real deal. No. This thing I... it was perfect. It was this light I mean, I was like, dear God, with one arm, I could literally slice through a human. This is insane. Like, like you, just, you could see the craftsmanship, the quality, feel it. Um, and then like an idiot, I touched it <laughs> with my bare. So, so I touched the blade with my fingertips and the guy was pissed off. He's like, what are you doing? You know, he t- so he takes it from me and starts wiping it to get the oh. oils off. The oils damage the, the, uh-huh, damage uh-huh. the blade. So I was like, oh, geez, stupid foreigner. <laughs> you know, to myself, of course. <laughs> Uh, not to him, to myself. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. by that point, it was like third year in Japan. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot foreigner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um, but yeah, how the hell did we get on that? <laughs> we were talking ghosts. about oh, the spirit. Yes. So the, the whole point is the, the ghosts and the spirit and this, this Shinto attitude that everything has a spirit. And yeah, it's the weirdest damn thing. It's like somehow... And here, here's how I would rationalize it, because a lot of the spirits, well, I, mean, I don't want to speak like I know anything, like who knows anything, right? But I could see how, like in Germany, a, the old oak trees and stuff, mm-hmm. you, you know, that probably my ancestors worshipped and whatnot, like they all got chopped down. Mm-hmm. They all got destroyed mm-hmm. um, through various means and times. I don't want to get into details there, but I still have an affinity for oak trees and always have. You know, I planted an oak grove in my food forest. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's it's just always been a thing, always, my mm-hmm. whole life, as even as a little kid. And there was never, I was never taught that. I was never, it was never a thing. And so, there, you still have eight hundred year old trees that have been worshipped for five hundred, six hundred years more. I mean, like, like they've been fed by this one stream that fed. Like, it's just the history. There's so much. It's so much history. It's very hard for somebody in the new world. You know the Americas to con- almost even contemplate. I suppose unless you're a native tribesman, you know how, how can you imagine it? It's really hard. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling now. <laughs> but the whole point is, there's a spirit to things, and the boats, especially wooden boats, there. I feel like there's a spirit there. Yeah, I think there is. Well, here's a. You sound skeptical, sir. <laughs> here's a test. All right. Okay. 
if if that story I just told about Kyle fixing the boat and me feeling sentimentalism about it, seeing it later, what if you apply that to if I had if he was fixing some kind of a uh, a, a modern fiberglass speedboat? That's right? a tough one, right? Right. It's really it, tough. Right. If if, if I had seen him fixing one of those regular uh, speedboat on a trailer, like. Would I have the same sentimentalism? And I and I, I don't honestly think don't so. have a good answer. I mean, I, I I personally don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's like, do you have the the same? Uh, I think it makes a difference that it was a wooden boat. Well, and here's the other other. Th- I mean, okay, well now we're kind of getting into pure theory, but mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe rationalizing. But like. Maybe there's, yeah, there's an entire different thing. So, like, I feel, I mean, holding that sword, I'm not saying I felt a spirit. I did not. Right, right. I, right. I just felt like this is perfect. Mm-hmm. But that said, a lot of, obviously, historically, you know, swords have been worshipped. Those kind of things have been like, this is an amazing weapon. It has a spirit. It was, you know, it has a history. All this stuff. They carve runes into it. Like, are you really going to do that with your M16? Your, like, are you going to do that with your AK-47? Like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really. Like, I, I know what you mean. It's such a mass-produced industrial thing. Like, there's no... Like, the person's not manually hammering anything. and Maybe a man, you know, manually putting a few parts together. But, like, there's something different in a modern industrial production line that doesn't seem to come across. Mm. And... and I don't know. I mean, do, do steel boats have a spirit? Eh, debatable. I don't know. I never, I've never. I've, I've maybe only. I, I don't. I don't know if I felt that necessarily. But wooden boats. Yeah, I guess we get. We're getting a little spiritual here, but well, it's, it's a little weird. But not only spiritual. I think it started to get touchy. All right, fair enough. Because we, we both know of a very, um, we both know of a steel boat that's very dear to our hearts. Yeah. Right. Does and does it. Does it have the same attachment as the as the lady? And that's yes. been the subject of of decades, hasn't it's got, it? It's got a it's got a history. It's uh-huh. got so much fun, so much love, so much, so many crazy nights on yeah. that boat. You were talking about Hawaiian chieftain, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and has all that history as much as the lady does. Yeah, but it it still gets that kind of um a second second fiddle reputation. Right, because of its construction, is that it, or is it that well, I don't lady know. came first? I, I don't know because I mean, of, there are definitely crew members. That's what I'm saying. There are definitely crew members where when Chieftain Hawaiian Chieftain was their first boat, like your first boat is your first love. Yes, I mean there's no way around. Fair that. enough. Everybody says that. Fair enough. And there's nothing quite like your first boat. I mean, mm-hmm. even the Patrick O'Brien novels. You know, Jack Aubrey loves the Sophie, even though he goes to all these other awesome ships. He's like, oh, the Sophie. It's just like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Stephen Maturin, who could care less about boats, is like, you mean that old rickety piece of crap? <laughs> like, I forget how he describes it, but he probably describes it quite accurately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, or certainly objectively. But um, yeah, Chieftain. Oh man, I mean, yeah, it's it's a hard. What do you say? I mean, I'd say that boat has there's a there's something there for sure. It's a it's so much but, there's so much fun. And for people that went on Chieftain first, you know, like like when I think to you know like like Captain Amen, who I mean, when I think of the Chieftain's captain, I picture Amen. Like it, that's just who I picture. I know Ian McIntyre had it for years, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so I understand there's an entire generation prior to that. But to, you know, to me, it's like certain people really. Just I, I, those people are the captains of Chieftain. They're the people that were part of Chieftain and, and 
that was it. That was their favorite boat. That's the one they wanted to go to. I think it was Eamon put it. He's like, yeah, it's the red step, you know, the red step, a red haired stepchild of, yeah. of Grace Harbor. But boy, I mean, we put a lot of love and effort into that boat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it is Lady all Lady always has a special spot in my heart. But, mm-hmm. but you know, hearts are, you can, you can have multiple, <clears throat> how shall we put it? Let's just say boats. Hearts can grow. Hearts, I know. Hearts can grow. Hearts can be shared mm-hmm. in some cultures. <laughs> but uh, uh, not but and the point being is that I I don't know that doesn't make a difference that you you have sentimentalism for a wooden boat versus a steel boat I don't know versus fiberglass or anything else we'll have to we'll have to run a scientific experiment on this I mean (laughs) figure it out I I, to be honest I don't have the same sentimental sentimentalism um, about rust busting the Hawaiian chieftain Using the rust busting gun, right? Though you rust busted on ladies, sir, did you not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, there's there's some. There definitely is undeniable romanticism with wood. Yeah, you like the salt water on the yeah. deck instead of the fresh water on the steel. I mean, that was always the thing when the boats were rafted side by side, and you're like spraying down the deck, and it's just like, get your salt water off my steel hull, but get your fresh water off my wooden hull. <laughs> <laughs> it was always fun. Yeah, good Kyle. <laughs> Rust busting is not that great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. I remember knowing nothing. I had never rust busted a serious thing in all my life, and we get on Chieftain, and that windlass was. Oh, it was god-awful. It was the worst case of rust busting I've ever had to do before or since. And I remember hammering away. Ladies and, oh, you know, this is an educational podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, so when you use a rust buster, like, like the little um, rust busting hammer, hammer um, you're not supposed to hammer away like you're trying to make Thor's hammer. You know, like, <laughs> like, like you're using Thor's hammer to make another Thor's hammer. Like, that is not the goal. It's actually little jabs. And very small because you don't want to actually gouge in the metal. I knew nothing. And uh, I was not instructed properly. And so I just hammered away at that thing. Like I wanted to murder kind of it. Theme. Yeah. And uh, I did. I mean, I got rid of the rust. But in oh. hindsight, I probably would have saved my arm and, uh, you know, and everything else had I been taught properly. Just oh, little, little pings. Ding, 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 you know, or just use a needle gun. You know. That would have been better. Yeah. I was saying the theme was that we were not properly instructed. Mm. <laughs> kind of a reoccurring theme. Leadership's changed. Go check it out. Maybe it's <laughs> better. I hope. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tragedy what happened to Kyle. Yeah, and the Chieftain. Although, I mean, we'll see what happened to Chieftain, I guess. Well, she's getting fixed up. Yeah, apparently. Yep, yeah. and I believe she's sailing back to Hawaii, which seems appropriate. That was her, her place of birth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, there are many more years. Many more years. Yeah. Now here's the Kyle. Here's the Styles. Yeah, but um, I mean, coming back to that, I I don't think there's the same same romanticism or anything else versus wood, because wood does. There's something personal about it, isn't there? There's there's the there's a carving, the sanding. You put a lot of personality into it, I think, versus like any of the, any of the other kind of material. 
like steel, like anyone could rust bust steel and then paint it. And yeah, then you're right. That. Again, it's kind of well. I mean, uh, I don't know. We could we could debate this back and forth forever. It's kind of industrial because you use a needle gun or or you're hammering away. But then on wood, you could use a power sander. I mean, you use you power know. sander. You could. Uh, there's the, definitely there's more history behind wood. Obviously, I mean, it's been around for thousands of years. You know, the construction of ships by wood. Yeah. Whereas steel, you know, when you go back to like, I mean, Viking times, dear God, they were cutting out parts of their... The reason the axes look the way they do in Viking times, apparently, Mm -hmm. was because metal was in such short supply, they had to cut out chunks of their axes. So Mm. when you see them and there's like a long blade, but then there's like a thin section before it gets to the handle, like... My understanding, and granted, it's a layman's understanding, and I'm, I'm willing to be corrected, but my understanding was it was that metal was in such short supply and so valuable that they literally were doing everything they could to avoid <laughs> you know, using metal. Mm. So the axes were actually made, and you didn't need the extra strength. Obviously, you could use it for whatever job. But yeah, it was that, it was that precious. You know, now, I mean, they could have never imagined making boats out of steel or iron. Mm-hmm. It's inc- inconceivable. Yeah. So, and who knows what we'll have in the future? I mean, we, we look today, you know, we think of our, our steel hull boats and who knows, maybe a hundred years from now, they'll be building everything out of, out of man-made uh, biological things that feed off plankton in the water and, or like sunlight plastic. or whatever. Who knows? Like you have some biological, yeah. I mean, that would be the most logical thing, right? It heals itself. Like it's flexible. It's strong, made of something biological that just biodegrades when it's time's done, a hundred years, hmm. and it just naturally dies. That would be nice. That'd be awesome. Anyway, that's self recycling. Self recycling yeah. ships. Patent it. Oh my gosh! No, no, no! I've I've got a few songs patented and a couple <laughs> books, and I am no scientist. There, well, that's a free idea, folks. Take it, use it. Well, here's what I can tell you to 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 kind of conclude this whole steel versus wood versus anything else debate. Um, in in my course of building my boat, mm-hmm. which is wood. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Preston is building a boat. So not only is he a tall ship sailor, not only is he a video game maker, which we will get to, he is also a boat builder now, a shipwright. Right. To use the <laughs> lingo franca. Um, Franco? Franco? I am. <laughs> my, my, my modest wooden boat. Um, what, what I've learned is that what, what you put into it is very much you. It's very much you. That's all I was, that's all I need to say, I think, is as in every shortcut that I take is a reflection of me. Every every finishing touches that I take is a reflection of me. And um, when people look at it, um, when I show the boat to, to other people, it's, it's very frightening because it's very, very exposing. Because every mistake that I've made is on the boat. Um, every every surfaces that I've taken shortcut on, every surfaces that I've sanded and I've taken more care than other is exposed. It's it's there for everyone to see, and it's a very very personal, very personal journey to work with wood. Um, and I'm sure someone could make the same case maybe with steel or fiberglass, but I haven't heard of it. Um, steel is steel. 
you do yeah. it right, you don't do it right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I hope I'm not being too. I, I didn't know you were scared thing. when you were showing me your boat. Like, I was impressed. I was scared. I, I've never made a boat. <laughs> like, that's not my job. Like, I've never done that. It's awesome. It looks great. Uh, thank you. But you're also the first one who who has seen that boat and know what they're looking at. Most people I've shown it to don't know what looking at this. It's a boat. They're going to judge right. you even less, logically. Yeah, I know. But you're, you're the first one I've actually shown yeah. that actually knows what is a bow from a stern. Right, <laughs> or what is a stem from a stern? Or what yes, is a plank? Yes. I can, right? I can right. identify all parts of that vessel. Right, right. Not, it appeared to be intact. It appears like it'll float. I, right, I, it's more than I can do. I'm impressed. You can you can <laughs> tell from bow from a stern. That's great. <laughs> so wow, you're you're, you're with that. You remind me when I I, uh, I gave a lecture one time at a, a Viking ship of uh, a, a Viking seminar. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I don't know how far we want to get in that story, but, but I want you to finish your story before we get into that. No, that's about it. I, 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 my, my point is just that I think you can put a lot more of your own personality into wood. Yeah, which I, is, I could see that. Which, which is, to come back to that story that I told before about Kyle fixing the deck on a lady. Yeah. Um, that, that's why it's sentimental to me when I see that little, little chunk of wood on the deck. Because I could see him in it. Because I could see the care that he's taking to cut the chunk of wood that perfectly matches the chunk that he cut out from the deck. And the, and the caulking that he put in between. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like, it matters. Yeah, it does. Um, I don't know if it's true for anything else. But I think... I think the whole point of your podcast is that this is why we have these attachment to to the lady Washington and tall ships in general because we put so much of ourselves into these boats one more antidote please uh, I when I was a wee volunteer deckhand um, past my two weeks so I was coming up through the ranks um, the boat at a time which I believe was Topher. Topher. Um, he told me to go put a fair lead into, I believe it was a jib halyard. It was either a jib or a four top and stay so, but I think it was a jib halyard. All right. It, it shaves against the, the edge, the aft edge of the top so that it runs from, from the rail, from the deck. Yeah. It ran all the way up. Yep. To, to the top of the mast and then come back down on the jib. So it was the platform? Yeah, shaving? the platform. Yeah, the top yeah, platform. Okay. The top platform. Yeah. It's, it's shaved against the aft edge. Yep. And you told me to go put a fair lead there, so it doesn't That's shave right. Yeah, yeah, we did tie up fairly, sir. Yep, I remember that. Um, and that's how he told me to do. So <laughs> I, I, I had to go figure out to figure out this, this round eye, try to figure out how to tie it to kind of a square end, right? So I, I figured out different kind of seizing and uh, whatever and so forth and so forth. Eventually I did. Mm-hmm. And then I, I ran the, the halyard through it. Um, kind of a half-ass job for like a, a, a three-week, four-week volunteer. And yet when I go back 10 years later, it's still there. That fairly is still there. And I was, uh, that was a part of me that I had to figure out how to do. That's awesome. Um, Wow, so, y- you just reminded me of a story. Sure. But quite the opposite. <laughs> well, not the opposite. So 
I remember Topher said, "Hey Johan, we need to paint the head rig." Yeah, we like like so, so out in the front of the ship. It's called the head. Incidentally, that's where you get the head from the toilets because the sailors in the old days would use the head rig, and that's where they do their business. And so he's like, "Yeah, head out to the head the head rig, and we need you to paint it." Now, I know nothing. I've I've never painted anything before. Like like not really truly painted anything before in my life. And like an idiot. I started from the top of the head rig and worked my way down to where I was standing and realized I had not only painted myself into a corner, I basically painted myself into a cliff face. And so (laughs) I didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) What do I do? And so the only thing I could think of, like an idiot, I start climbing up the head (laughs) rig and go out. And I head out onto deck and I tracked yellow paint everywhere (laughs) like a moron. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I was an idiot. And... And Topher, oh man, I felt I felt bad, you know, because he's like, God oh, dang it, yo. <laughs> and 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 it wasn't just that; it was like somehow I'd gotten paint places I couldn't even reach. I don't know how there was like paint on the shrouds where I couldn't even reach it at that point. I wasn't that good a climber. Like like it was like up a backstay where like, well, how they get paint up there? Like I honestly don't remember. And like like it's just there was paint everywhere. And Topher, for, for a month, he wouldn't give me a project. <laughs> like, let me redeem myself. He was like, no, no, you're, no, no, you're not doing anything, you like, So he wouldn't give me any maintenance projects. So finally, you know, so Topher, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I think I've apologized like a million times, but I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> New guy, Johan. Um, I learned how to paint. <laughs> I learned how to plan. I learned how to do, you know, learn, learn from my mistakes, people. So if you're painting something and you have to climb back that old direction, for God's sake, start where you, you're going to end. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just just think about it before you start painting. Anyway. Yeah. Pretty sure you were far from really want to track yellow paint oh, over man. the deck. We've seen Gosh. plenty. Um, but I think it means you have to track down Topher next. Oh, to get from this I would story. love to track down Topher. Yeah, Topher, right. whatever penthouse, whatever, whatever CEO of whatever freaking Forbes 500 you're... Uh, you're in charge of. Please, can I can I interview you and talk about your old tall ship days? That's that's it. Topher disappeared into the woods. <sighs> I only saw him once after. Yeah, good looking fellow. Anyway, yeah. um, moving on, moving on. So <laughs> you're talking about port and starboard and not knowing the difference of people and all that. Um, so it reminded me. So I was lucky enough um, when I went back on land briefly to get a teaching credential, which is another whole story I don't want to get into. Um, I, I audited a class. So, so I had like a, the teacher credential was a year and a half. I thought it was only going to be a year. It ended up being a year and a half. But I was at Sonoma State, and we had this amazing professor named, named Judy. Uh, if, Judy, if you're still alive, Professor Judy, you're the best. Freaking awesome. Anyway, she, this is an amazing woman. To hear her tell a story, she basically was the... I mean, she she was at the, the apex of women's liberation movements in the 50s and 60s and super awesome, like doing kayaking and, and canoeing when like most people were just at home, right? Most most women, um, super hard going, wild person and then became a professor, professor of history and wonderful woman, understood history, respected history, respected real life, real living. You know, I remember one time I said to her, you know, professor, professor Judy, like, like, do you ever feel like you wish you had more time? And she's like, Johan, I wish I had six more lifetimes. There's so much history out there I, no. I'm going to miss. And I wish I had six more lifetimes to read and learn and experience. 
And um, I audited her course on Viking. So that's how I met her because I didn't know you could audit classes. Uh, so folks going into university, two things. Number one, if it's in the book that is the assigned reading and the professor talks about it in your lecture, that's what's on the quiz. So there you go. That's how you get an A. It took me four years to figure that out. <laughs> Had straight A's with half the effort by senior year that I did freshman year. So bam, that's, that's the secret. That's done. That's cheat code right there. That's the cheat. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And the other thing is you can audit mm. classes. That's what it's called. You audit a class. So if you're totally into history, but you want your major to be something like international relations and German that I studied, which I never used, um, then by all means, you can still audit those history classes that you're like, man, I really want to learn about this. The cool thing about auditing a class is you don't have to do all the papers. Like you do a tenth of the work and you get all the knowledge, but it's directly from the professor. So you can do Q&A, which you, you can't actually do when you listen to podcasts like this or or uh, unless you, you are a Patreon supporter, which we'll figure that out. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah. There's there's perks. There's perks. Like nice. <laughs> but, but the point is, I audited her Viking class, and I had just come from the Sea Stallion. And so Professor Judy, when I, when I emailed her, she's like, absolutely. And so I'm in a grad class. I've never been in a graduate student class. So this is like big deal. There's like a small class, you know, maybe 20 students and me. <laughs> and, and these people are like wanting to be, history professors and only one and you know one or two of them are going to be professors just like it was awesome so i'm like in a pretty exclusive group you know they're all trying really really hard and and we're doing um vikings and any ship question she would ask me mm. which was awesome yeah you know so one time it was like the french i guess were paying the vikings Forty-two thousand pounds of, of probably coinage i don't think it was gold i, th I think it was, it was probably coins mm -hmm. and of some sort of coin and she's like, any boat question, she's like, well, Johan, how many ships do you think they would have needed for that? And I was like, well, ma'am, <laughs> ma I don't know, but uh, break 42,000 pounds down to 20, you know, that's 21 tons. And she's like, oh, well, it doesn't sound so heavy anymore. <laughs> I'm like, like, no, I mean, you're right. Like, maybe, maybe one of their big transport ships could have handled 21 yeah. tons worth of Plus car you know, cargo like that. But, yeah. but I was like, honestly, that's not how I do it. Your, your ballast is made of stone. Uh, you know, on those ships, I would just I'd, I'd throw in half the stone ballast, put in sacks of gold, make sure they don't shift. You're good to go. Oh, and she snap. and to her credit, she looks at me and she says, "Johan, I am so thankful you are here." That's what they did. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. That's what they did. I, I'm not a historian. I have no idea. She's like, what else would they have done? That makes perfect sense. Like, like you sail those boats, you know. It's like, I, I, I don't know. But, but she respected the fact that I had actually done journeys, you know, done that journey mm -hmm. and physically held the stones and physically put them in and put them out. And, you know, so she respected my my sail understanding of sailing, mm -hmm. and so she did me a great honor because it was her first time teaching that course. She said, would, oh. "Would you be willing to teach a course, a lecture, do a lecture on Viking ships?" Mm -hmm. As I okay um yes I, i'm you know i'm honored but oh man so so i'm doing my homework and like you know and i told i told her i said you understand i'm not a shipwright i'm not an expert on viking like 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 there's a lot of caveat like i just want to make it clear i can talk about my voyage i can talk basically about the boats and general boat history but i'm, I'm yeah. not an expert you're one like, guy yeah she's like i understand that i think the students will get a lot out of it just with that. So I did my homework. I researched all the stuff. I got a great, a lot of great photos, got some video footage of, of me on the Viking ship talking about things, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I start the lecture 
<laughs> and, and so I'm telling everybody this, like, all right, so, so guys understand, you know, or, or, you know, students understand, I'm going to start talking and I'm probably going to start telling stories because I'm a sailor and I might get a little carried away. So I need to make sure we're all on the same page. So by show of hands, who knows what a keel is? Nobody raised their hand. Oh, no. I was like, four, you know, hand on my forehead, like, oh, God. Okay. All right. Uh, so I draw on the whiteboard. I'm like, all right, this is an overtop view of a boat. Uh. This side is port. This side is starboard. <laughs> and they just like look down at their papers and start taking notes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so typical. Yeah. So I had like a very, you know, but it was good. Like I had a basic, like, okay, these are the parts of the boat. This is basic boat understanding. This is, the, you know, so I started with the basics mm -hmm. and then kind of got into more, uh, you know, more Viking details and then more stories. And then I, yeah. I we had a Q&A at the end where they, they had to ask questions and stuff. So it, we're, I, it was good. I'm happy I did it. Um, I'm happy Professor Judy didn't have an ego, you know, like most professors probably would not have done that. Oh, but, yeah. but that she would respect my experience and my desire to do well, uh, I, I was truly impressed by her. And included your experience. Yeah. and That's important. But, you know, she had her life experiences too. I mean, I think that's part of it, right? Like if you're 100% academics. Right. Well. It's, yeah, but if you're also, if you're 100% living history, yes. you start getting into fantasy land. That's, yeah. That's, you know, that's it's what like, oh, well, I experienced this. Therefore, it must be true. It's like, dude, the, the guy wrote in a book. That, that ain't true. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's just you, you have to balance it, I think, in yeah. my opinion. That's what we call Ren's Fair. Yeah. But I've read proper history books. I mean, I'm talking like legit <laughs> historians who did not understand. I mean, I read one book on Columbus where the guy was like, I don't, you know, you could tell like he was, he was kind of, it wasn't quite, it wasn't revisionist history, but he was obviously getting pretty annoyed at, with Columbus by the end, which, yeah, fair enough, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, but one of the things most people that understand boats in history don't argue about is like it's a hell of a thing to cross the Atlantic Ocean when it has that has not been done for a, a long time, if ever. And yeah, yeah, but what? <laughs> oh, it just reminds me of another anecdote. Oh, well, anyway, this guy, this historian was like, well, Columbus clearly didn't know what he was doing because there were the, you know. The, he described there was no wind and, you know, it was flat, you know, calm seas, but... People just take for granted. What do you mean? I, I think they do. It's, it, we kind of make fun of Columbus these days for, well, he thought he could cross the, the entire ocean and, and find Asia, and then he landed on an American by accident. Like, yeah. well, like right? And we kind of make fun of him for that, but it's... Well, that's, uh, that, that's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that name's a little crazy. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Like, like you, you read, I mean, he was obviously very eccentric. I was, I mean, I haven't read. Uh, so we only have his translations. Mm -hmm. or, sorry, not his. We have translations of his original logbooks. We don't have the originals. Those don't exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I found that out re reading this book. Um, so already you're kind of dealing with copies, which is uh -huh. the, you know it gets trickier the more copies you make, right? Right. Um, and a lot, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to delve in. It's such a freaking stupidly political charged subject these days. Um, you know, I don't even want to. Delve, oh, I, I know. Delve it's, into it too much. Right. I, I, but but I, I, I mean, because 
the reality, just just read, just open a history book, people. Read read about Columbus. Like like seriously, make your own opinion. Make your own conclusion. Stop listening to everybody else. Yeah, was he God's gift to humanity? Eh, no. Was he the whatever they're saying today? No. Like just read it. Read it for yourself. The, the, those logbooks are probably available online. Like they're just they're translations, but freaking use your own brain. Anyway. But this guy did not understand a very basic concept that anybody who sailed in the doldrums does. And, and I've personally never sailed in the doldrums, but I've read enough history to understand that, that, that they describe these rollers that come in and can literally take the mast out of your boat. That's how much your boat rolls because hmm. there's no wind. You have no stability made you know, from the sail that usually keeps you like the boat from healing over too much. Hmm. And it, you just, your boat's rolling all over the place. Well, try to get a sun sight off of that. Try mm-hmm. to get an accurate reading from whatever tool you're using. Good luck, buddy. Like, you know, so this historian's like, clearly he doesn't understand his tools. It's like, nah. no, you don't understand the ocean, poor oh, historian. Gosh. I'm not going to name the historian, but I'm like, buddy, go out on the ocean, like, or at least talk to somebody who's done it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe read it, read actual sail. I mean, you don't have to, you, there are songs about this. <laughs> this is not hard. <laughs> like, you know, I guess the point is just the tiniest bit of getting out of your academic ivory tower or the tiniest bit of getting out of your reenactment group mm-hmm. will give you dividends that are immense. Mm-hmm. I, and I guess that's the whole point of it. You know, just use your own head, like use your own, you get your own opinion and just get out of your comfort zone and live a little one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. God, I'm lecturing. Jeez, we, what have we been? We've been drinking too much. <laughs> is is there too much? Uh, I don't know. Preston, man, I miss you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, but uh, but where are we as as tall ship sailors on the spectrum? What do you mean? Well, between academia and fantasy reenactment, where do you think tall ship sailors lie? I think it depends on the boats. I mean, I definitely. Well, hell. I can tell you the Royal East. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if your spectrum is reenactment fantasy on one hand and like hardcore history, we are blah, blah, blah. This is yeah, how yeah. it was done. I, I, I get but, but even then you kind of have like this modern, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's not a spectrum because there's multiple ways you could go. I think there's, it's more like a cross probably. Right. I, I'm, and, and then there's an like East Coast and West Coast thing too. Oh, don't get me started on that crap. Some of the, I think with starting some of the best sailors and worst sailors ever met were west coast sailors some of the best sailors and worst sailors ever met were east coast sailors oh no but i'm talking about each sailor individually i'm talking about the culture oh yeah right um but be, between academia and fantasy I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that culture i'm not talking about like because i know each individually west coast and east coast produce equally excellent sailors yeah, and I don't think fantasy is the right word because, I mean, the reality is it's, if it's a boat and can sail out on the ocean. Like, like fa- fantasy is the barge that was the Black Pearl. Yes, sure. And, you know, like, we, I would sail past that from the L.A. Maritime Institute when we got on Irving Johnson. I mean, mm-hmm. In 2006, the barge that was the Black Pearl was there, so we'd sail past that every day. Mm-hmm. That's a fantasy. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's bull crap. You know, like, the masks go up. It's just a mast. There's no top mast. There's no top gallant mast. That was all CGI, folks. I hate to tell you. 
and uh, so were the clouds, and so were... Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. Not the clouds. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. <laughs> and the skeletons, those weren't real skeletons. Oh, no. no. No, they weren't even models. They were CGI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people, they think that's history. And, you know, most skeletons didn't talk like that. When you don't actually have no. vocal cords or a larynx or whatever organs are necessary, diaphragms have rotted out. But you, they weren't you, skeletons, Johan. You can't talk they were like goats. Historically, most skeletons did a clacking sound. It was like, it, it was very different. It's a entirely different language. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, we have recordings of that. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. on like whalebone phonographs. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, sailors. No, no, that's history. That's different. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> no that uh, Disney. Why'd you? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they went the fantasy route when they could have gone the more historical route. But whatever, whatever. Someday. Well, that's why we get Master Commander, which to me is basically a home movie. Mm. Yeah. Right. Especially if we we know a few of our friends in that movie. Yeah, we do. Right. We do. It's it's just so natural to watch it. Despite you know the the actual canon battles and death and <laughs> so how how old are your kids going to be before you watch it? <laughs> I've I've already shown my little boys you know who are tiny they're tiny tiny little you show them segments I, I showed the, yeah I showed the segments for Master Command well Master what I showed for Master Commander I showed them the the they love the ending so I, when they're playing the music and, oh, and the boats sure. you know getting ready for battle and they're playing all that stuff they love that so I play mm-hmm. that all the time you mm-hmm. know and then I did play a scene from Black Black Sails where oh, I okay. guess they have a big big fleet battle and there's this I have never seen Black Sail <clears throat> I I saw the first couple episodes um I it's it it is I would say it's tall ship community. Well, I don't want to speak for the entire tall ship community. The people I was watching with, the tall ship sailors I was watching with, we we agreed it was good. It was good. Um, okay. It, it was good. No, I, Black, Black Sails is good. I love, it's not the Yarby Dar pirate crap. Like like, like they have, it, it, like the pirates aren't clowns. Not okay. So they, so they have a good, they have a decent portrayal of pirates. How accurate is it? It's always hard to say. I I haven't read enough source material. I'm like I haven't read enough primary source documents on pirates, and there's a lot of variety in pirates too. I mean, what type of pirates are you talking about? Are you talking about you know Caribbean during Queen Anne's War? Are you talking about prior to that? Are you talking about the Syrian. Asia? Are you talking about Syrian? Are you talking yeah. about the, yeah the Barbary pirates? Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of pirates, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're talking about African pirates. Like you name your part of the world, where and they're, they're not all that funny. No. They're really brutal. I want yeah. to have a pirate. Um, I want to do like have pirate reenactors and talk about the reenactment side of it. And I'll probably I probably will regret that talk episode. To the royalist, <laughs> royalist, holy royalist. crap! That boat. Sorry. How many times did it sink on its moorings? You know, like our first tour, it was like like multiple <laughs> times. That boat was always sinking. Our, our prank on the royalist. It was so the royalist was this little uh, God. What was she? It was was, was she a brigantine? She had little squares. Oh, it was so cute. Our prank to them, we furled their topsail. That was our prank. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> we went up there and tied up their topsail, climbed up their shrouds, tied it up, furled it, and they're like, oh, man. And this tiny, tiny little tall ship had a 12-pounder. 
They had a 12-pound <laughs> deck gun. To put it in perspective, Lady Washington's deck guns were three-pounders, and Lady Washington was probably four times the size of that boat. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. Oh, man. And the first time, my first impression of Royal East, besides, like, what's this little cute boat? Um, I went on board. This is, I'm not exaggerating. This is no joke. I'm literally not exaggerating. I went on board the Royal East, and I was like, hey, anybody on board? You know, like, permission to board. And I hear this, oh come on down you know and so i head down and there's only one person there it's the captain and he reeks of marijuana the whole boat Oops. reeks of marijuana by the way folks if you have a license you're not supposed to be smoking marijuana <laughs> that lasts in your system over a month you will lose your license good uh, tip maritime license yeah God, this is such an educational we'll put thing. that on johan's maritime tips <laughs> maritime tips from Nautical knowledge and nonsense. <laughs> this is not nonsense, but it's insane. So this guy is reeking of marijuana. The whole boat reeks of marijuana. And, he, and it is the most stereotypical thing you've ever seen. And the guy's like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, hey, buddy, it's going good. How are you? It's like, I'm good. I'm good, man. Hey, do you want to smoke? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you know, like, I don't even have a license. I was a deckhand. I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with this. He's like, hey, come on. Check out my boat. Like, like he's like giving me a tour of the boat, completely stoned out of his mind. That was my first impression of the Royal East. Mm. So awesome, crazy awesome boat in that sense. Twelve pounder. They had a twelve pounder. Oh yeah, it's very heavy. That's a heavy gun. On a small <laughs> boat. Like it was insane. Well, it's one. Talk about it. Yeah, right. the, the, the Royal East is like the far end of reenactment Yahoo piratey nonsense. But it's the Ren Fair equivalent of tall ships. I, at that time. Yes, at that time. Let's, yes. let's be respectful. Maybe it's a silly boat. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about the, the, the more popular mainstream Ren Faire. Yeah. Not, not the more hardcore Ren Faire. Yeah. And they get the other side. And some, some sailors, they take themselves too damn seriously. Relax, buddy. Like, we're, we're, you know, we don't get paid enough to take this too seriously. I heard that when the lady was being built, there was kind of a clash between kind of a two groups. There, there were more of a modern shipwrights. Mm-hmm. Who just wanted to do it right, um, using modern modern tools and methods, and and there was a like, group who insist on dressing up in funnies, whoa, to 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 build the to build boat that kind of stuff. I never heard that. Um, Interesting. I don't remember where I heard that from, but um, but I, I think it it kind of summarizes the clash in the Tallship culture sometimes. Yeah, especially well, especially I mean, obviously, our you know we we were on Lady Washington Wine Chieftain when they had you you know the the funnies, which which were the the classic mm-hmm. uniforms or, or costumes for lack of a better word. So yeah, you don't you definitely didn't see that. You don't see that as much on the East Coast. The East Coast has more of a, a yachty. There's yeah, like a lot of people that sponsor those ships on the East Coast uh, if they're nonprofits are mm-hmm. wealthy to do yachtsmen. I mean, it's, it's a different culture. They've had mm-hmm. they've had boats for hundreds of years on the East Coast. We've had hundreds of years of boats on the West Coast, but they're like working schooners. Like you don't have your your average Joe isn't building a freaking yacht and sailing. Besides, the wind sucks anyway in the San Juans. I mean, like like, and the coast is really rugged. Like, how many ports do you have? Like, oh, we're yeah. we're gonna sail three hundred miles between. Like, no, like like. You know, whereas on the East Coast, you know, every 20 miles, there's a, another port. I mean, that's that's where you... So it's a different culture. It's just different. It's just set up for it's a different culture. It's just different. Geographically, it's different. Historically, it's different. And yeah, is there a different tall ship culture be, partly because of that? 
sure. I, th- I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, nobody else did battle sales. And people on the East Coast, I remember they scoff at our battle sales. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, screw you, man. Like, we do more tax in a battle sale than you do in a week. <laughs> Literally. I'm not exaggerating. We're doing close course maneuvers against another ship under sail. <laughs> How many times have you done that? You know, like, you get really good at maneuvering that boat. You get really good at playing around with it. You get really good at getting close course with another vessel. There's no equivalent for that. And yeah, it's, um, um, God, I, re- I remember. I had the captain of, of Niagara, or well, not, not at the time, he was, he was second mate on Niagara. Um, uh, excellent captain, Billy, Billy Sabatini. Uh, excellent, excellent captain. And I'm like, man, you got to come out to the West Coast. You got to check it out. Just check it out. It's great. Like, it's fun. You know, and the boats are fun and all that. And so he came out and captain Lady Washington briefly. And we, one time, um, I remember we went out and we had all the chieftain crew and lady crew together. So we had over 20 sailors oh. that knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That really, and so we had never had that many sailors on the boat. To, oh, at least when I had been there. And we were in a channel and Billy called for attack. Yeah, he called for attack. And we, or yeah, it must have been attack. And I was on the, I was at the tiller, you know, because I was pretty fast on the tiller. And so he's like, oh, you know, hard over, blah, blah, blah. He gave all the commands. And and he just freaked out. He's like, because we had set everything. We had every sail set. And he's like, we, we tacked within her length. We tacked within her length. Oh. And I was just like, I told you. I told you you'd love it out here. You know, because <laughs> he thought it was like some silly, like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. And it's like, no, we tacked that boat with, within its length. Nice. And, um, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. And, and you know, so we're like, we're whipping that boat around like, like it had never been whipped around before. And it was great. And uh, it was a good experience, I think, for him. I hope. I hope. It, it seemed like it was. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, to bring it back. Oh, man, where the hell did we come from there? Oh, pirates. We were talking about pirates. And the real pirates suck. Yeah, you don't want to mess with a real pirate. But to back it up further to the, the show... Black sails, yeah. yeah. So I, I would play this this big naval battle. I guess they have, you know, probably the the climax of one of the episodes, and uh, the boys love it. They, they little boys love seeing cannons. I don't know about little girls. I don't have any, but little boys love seeing cannon shots being fired. And and there's something I loved that too as a kid. You know, I didn't understand it, but I loved it. Yeah. What else do we have? Master commander and some themes that might be appropriate. Yeah. Um, well, my, my goal is to have a someday I would love to do a family cartoon. Um, my inspiration is Attack on Titan, the mm. anime series. Okay. You seen that? No. Don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. Uh, it's this crazy city where these giant people that look really scary come over and they eat the mother. She gets bitten in half graphically by these giants in the first episode. Yeah, oh, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's brutal. It's it's so brutal, and so Japanese. And apparently, the person that showed it to me, um, he was saying, yeah, like kids watch this with their grandparents, multiple generations. So it got me thinking. Okay, it's like, well, hold on a second. Well. I mean, I get it. In Japan, if you put anything in an animated form, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it doesn't. It literally doesn't matter. You can do anything animated. And they're like, their attitude, you know, because they would tell me in Japanese, they're like, I'd be like, this is pretty effed up. I would say that in Japanese. I don't remember how to say that. But and they're like, but it's animated. <laughs> so it's just a different mentality. But, but 
you know, I was thinking you could have a serious cartoon with real history, with real themes, with real emotion. You don't need to do this cutesy, almost manic, depressive. Uh, like, like, I don't know how to describe Our Western cartoons are just all, like, they're just so fast-paced. And, like, yeah. one of the things the Japanese <clears throat> do really well with their with a lot of their animated stuff is they'll, and, and maybe Far East Asia in general, I don't know. I mean, you're Thai. You, you tell me. But there's there's times to slow things down. You know, and there's a lot of moments on ships where you're bored, like, like, but, but you're, but you're still in the moment, you know, like when you're watching the bioluminescence, I mean, you can watch that for two minutes, you watch it for two hours. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like I did watch it for two hours when I was seasick. Yeah. Well, (laughs) is it cool when you see your vomit? Like, that's, that's kind of awesome. Right. But you know what I mean, right? Like I do. I, I, I feel like our Western cartoons, they, they never take a breath. It's <clears> like just take sometimes less is more. Just take that breath. Let, well, that's yeah, that's that's extendable to, to, to most of this culture is this like attention span kind of thing. Like our sports are like what, one minute followed by fifteen minutes commercial, followed by and then a men of action kind of deal. Yeah, it's all filled with something. Right. It's it's attention span. Our kids are starting into sports now, so we watch them, and that's kind of what I notice. How do you want to introduce your boy, uh, introduce your little ones? Excuse me, because there's multiple. How do you want to introduce your little ones to boats? To the tall ships? Not even to tall ships, because that's pretty easy. You throw them on a tall ship, show a movie. Well, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, how do you want to introduce them to sailing? Is it going to be on the little boat that you're making? Yeah. That's awesome. It, it would be. That's the most exposure they have to put. James has been... Gosh, I mean, like, what's, what's the word? James has been around the lady before. He's never been on the lady. I mean, he was too young to, like, understand what that is. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I don't, like, he means maybe one. Maybe one and a quarter or something. Like, that's a boat. That's a ship. And, like, he doesn't really get that sense. But he's been around it. So he kind of circle around it. But as far as the first first lessons, as far as kind of like uh, a boat management and what it's like to be on a boat, you know, yeah, that's kind of why I'm building a boat for them. Um, boat management? Yeah. Like, like what, do we, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, you're going to have them giving commands? Or, or? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Uh, like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, one, one of them can totally be on the Ford deck. One of them can be aft with me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, silly me. The, the oh, man, that's great. So they have a role. Yeah. They have a job. Role, exactly. They can exchange roles. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. Starting by teaching them to tend the, tend the sheet or something simple yeah. like that. Um, for a boat that side, they can manage the halyard when they need to. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of stuff. Start up and, and, and kind of get them into the, into the, like you said, the role, like how it plays together. Um. Had you sailed prior to Lady Washington? No. Yeah, me neither. Never been on a sailboat. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, that is funny. Well, let, let me let me ask you a question. All right. What do you think came first? You're, I mean, obviously you, um, you are tied to this tall ship culture, right? Um, but do you think you had always had a love for tall ships oh hell no no and people people listening to this podcast if they've listened to prior episodes they know this like i i did not understand what people saw in wooden boats right. i didn't so, understand what they saw in the history 
I was woefully ignorant. Where did it come from, you think? The lack of understanding or the understanding? The love. The love. Eventual love. Master and Commander. You think so? Oh, yeah. I know so. Oh, yeah? That changed my life. Yeah. By, By the end of that movie, I had realized I was horribly wrong. I was horribly ignorant. I had made a big mistake. Yeah, my whole life changed, honestly. And... Uh, oh gosh I mean it, yeah that was that was the big change that was the big one there prior, prior to that my only experience out of sea was puking on a, my scoutmaster on a sea, deep sea fishing trip mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah my, I did not want to go out to sea I mean I love the sea I loved being out in waves and you know you know boogie boarding and swimming out in the ocean I love that I was pretty good at that but yeah I can't can't surf to save my life I've tried i, I yeah, sorry for all the surfers out there. I've tried so hard. I love your lifestyle. I think a life spent <laughs> searching for that perfect wave is not a life wasted. I totally get it. I just can't freaking do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've tried. I know I'm going to get injured sooner or later. I'm going to be pissed off about it. So, <laughs> but, right. But yeah, no. So boats. I didn't. I didn't get what people saw in it, and I pity people that don't get history. I, I pity people that. You just haven't lived. I'm sorry. Like you can pretend you, you know, whatever you believe, whatever modern crap you believe, but like, it's it's nonsense. It's all been thought before. Just read a book. Re- read the classics. Read Roman history. Like literally, the Greeks thought of everything. <laughs> like yeah. every theme that you could have, they they literally have listed them all. It's yeah. already been done, folks. So right. we're we're kind of our roads are based off Roman roads. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Like we are the Romans and the whole world. That's the crazy part. You know, on some level, um, it's so, yeah. And everybody's like, oh, why do I study European histories? Because it's written down. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like a lot of people's histories wasn't written down. Like you can't get that much from it, you know. But but that said, it's important to learn. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Japanese history, uh, the warlord period. Like, yeah, you want to see what anarchy looks like. You want to see what chaos looks like. Oh, read, I, read about that. I, you know more about Thai history than I ever will. Actually, I, I was going to say, I don't. That's, hmm. that's what I find fascinating. Thai history is... Thailand history is, is not as well documented. It's still a monarchy, is it not? Well, it still is a monarchy, but it's not as well documented as far as... But it's like found, one of the last monarchies. Right, as, as far as the founding, as far as, like, if, if you go into prehistory of it. And I, I find it fascinating. <clears throat> like, I, I kind of like this living history i guess you would say like um trying to imagine how how something gets started like it's not clear how thailand gets started as as far as we know it's just kind of a confluence of immigrants from different points of compass um kind of come to this this valley and then just kind of started a, i guess a town and became a city and became a civilization but is that bangkok uh, no, Thailand has had several uh, capitals before Bangkok. Hmm. I'm not going to attempt to say them because I would be wrong. <laughs> okay. That's, that's coming from a person that speaks Thai. So I, I want to... Uh, well, like I said, <laughs> they're complicated. But I, I think that's fascinating. But, but yeah, hi- history is not as clear as people think it is. Uh, it just no. happened. We, it we never learn, is. We learn new things about history every year. Yeah. And I worry we're forgetting a lot, too. And we're, we're forgetting it. a lot. But I, I think 
I think that's why history is great. Yeah. Because history is so human. But the only way you get to that humanity is you gotta you gotta get past the one liners. You know. You gotta oh, yeah. you, you gotta get past you gotta get past the elementary school level. Mm-hmm. You know, every country tells myths and that's fine. You know, they tell simplistic forms of history to ideally unify the country. I get that. That's great in that sense. But, you know, when you're an adult, one thing I hate with this era is everybody thinks they got lied to. It's like, you never got lied to. It's just you only got told half the truth or you got told a myth or, you know, it's like read read everything and boy, real fast, everything gets gray. Real fast. Like there are no good people out there. There are no bad people. There, like it's, it's very complicated. Um, I hope to have... You know, I'm hoping to have many people come on this podcast, and they and I hope I've been challenged in the past and happily conceded that I was wrong and ignorant, and I'm I'm more than willing to have people come talk to me about history because the more we know, the more it's like you just respect the fact that you don't know that mm-hmm. much, and so I guess that's the point of it. Is like I know I sound like I know something, but I'm telling you, I don't. I, I feel like I know more than the average American. <laughs> I, I think that's when you hit the point. But I don't know anything. Right. Yeah. Right. The, 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 it's all gray. Right. The, on some level. It, yeah. It's kind of a graph where you think you know, and then you hit a plateau yeah. where you think you really know. But the more you realize that you know, you realize that you don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and then you remember what you physically actually know in your brain because you spoke to your grandparents that fought in World War II or, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, how are their stories going to be dumbed down two generations from now, you know? And it's like my two grandparents were, were polar opposites in many respects. There's just a lot we don't know. Except both of them didn't want to go to the war. And they both fought for Canada. But beyond that, like, they have very little in common. And, and yet their stories could be, you know, weeded down to, to nothing in the, in the future. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. And not accurate. It's not accurate. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I've had a thought before where the experiences of our, uh, or my ancestor, I think can be distilled down to maybe, maybe one generation. Like I, I know my dad mm-hmm. story, my grandfather's story, you know, maybe not so much. Maybe ten percent, my great grandfather's story, like even less, right? It, it it exponentially diminishes. Yeah. But but yet each of them have the same experience that we're having now, and then I will be that five percent of someone's story someday, and that's kind of that's kind of scary, but at the same time that's history. Like I am making history right now, <laughs> yeah, for for better or worse. <laughs> I'd say you are, sir. You, <laughs> you know, you're. I mean, you, you got yeah, you got good work that helps people. You're building a boat. You know, you got a great video game. By the way, we're going to talk more about it. But the the best train simulator ever, I believe, Steam Engine Train Simulator. Oh my goodness. In the world, was that true? <laughs> I believe that's true. I'm, I'm going to speak for you. I believe that is true. Um, I had no idea you could do that, and you got a good family, and you're raising them well. Clearly, and you know what? Thank you. 
I want to end on it's a very good. Generous. I want to end on a good quote, but I'm going to end on two quotes for our fans. So here we go, because uh, I, I can't end on. Uh, oh okay, yeah, so here we go. So my favorite one, one my my a really really good quote. Preston and I went out with our good friend Steve, and, and hopefully, folks, we will, you'll hear Stalker Steve's interview. It, it'll be a good one. But Stalker Steve took us out to this Mexican restaurant where we had a margarita to warm up prior Several. to the meal. Yeah. And then this place was famous for its big margaritas. And we ordered <laughs> one margarita, and it was a bucket-sized margarita. It literally – it must have been two gallons, I think. I've, I've the, at least two gallons. It was insane. It was this ginormous – Two gallons with ice. It was – a okay. With ice, fair <laughs> it was a big margarita. Huge. And we drank it. And then we drove back to the boats. Luckily, it was a long drive home, you know, and so we were able to kind of sober up. But I remember, Preston, you were leaving. I was like, Preston, are you okay to drive? And your comment was, Johan, of course I'm okay. I've only had one and a half margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, God. Uh, but I'm so glad you put that on record. There we go. <laughs> but the other, the other quote, this is from my journal. And it's, uh, this, is, this is from my journal directly. And I wrote, some of the new people were very cool. The coolest guy by far was Preston. It's true. That's just, I wrote that. So it's true. I don't really exaggerate, ever. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you for this podcast. Yeah. Was it feel like an interview or is it more like a talk? Oh, it's both. All right. You're both. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Can't can't change what I said though, can I? Mm. We can edit stuff <laughs> like me me choking on the uh, the bottom of wine glass. Uh, we can edit things. Yeah, no worries there. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me be best man at your wedding. That was awesome. Thanks for coming to the wedding and being a best man. You're welcome. Thanks that's for coming to my job. bachelor party. That was pretty cool. We should talk. We should have talked about that. Crap. All right. <laughs> that was such a good time. Anyway, thank you so much, Preston. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, if you haven't seen, the, well, of course you haven't because you don't probably know about it. Tell tell them about your train game. Tell them about it. It's awesome. The Disney train game. The Disney Steam Train game that you made. What Disney? Disney? Disneyland. Steam train? The train that goes around Disneyland. Okay. The video game that you made. There's a game? What? Or simulator. Oh, it's my. The simulator. Oh, my. Gosh, there is Preston, a simulator for it, isn't there? They can't see your sarcasm <laughs> via audio. <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm doesn't transmit. <laughs> what? Sarcasm doesn't transmit through audio? No. Well, I mean, it can. There is. But not wait, visually. Wait, wait. Like, <laughs> when you're holding your face and pretending and... <laughs> what would you like to know? It is a simulator of the steam train. The first steam train around Disneyland. What's it called? So people Sorry. can find it. What's is the it, best way to find it? It's a Disneyland. I Asianized it. That's Disneyland. Dude, you're Asian. It can't be racist yeah. if you're freaking Asian. That's I like, know. That'd be like me. That's saying, why I can say it. That'd be like me showing up punctually for something and like people are like, oh God, that guy's <laughs> oh man, freaking German. It's like, dude, I'm German. <laughs> like, what do you expect? To be fair, you show up very punctually at dinner. 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Bam, six o'clock, boom, right there. <laughs> um, what was I? No, I already said that. Your freaking game. What's the name of it? Oh, um, how can they find it? Gosh, it's such. I'm a long trying name. to like get you publicity, man. <laughs> so I hadn't plugged it in a very long time. We're about to plug it now. The Disneyland Steam Locomotive Simulator. All right. You can find it at ckholidayplans.com. CK Holiday Plans. Yeah. So that's Charlie Kilo Holiday Plans. Right. And the plans important, plural. Plans yes. With and, the, and the important com. part is that holiday has two L's because the extra L is for locomotive. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. All I right. know. <laughs> I know that the holiday has, has two L's. Right. I, I know it has nothing to do with the website name, but that's because... I wonder why I haven't made a million dollars. What's it called again? The, the Disneyland Railroad Steam Locomotive Simulator. All right. So, folks, if you care at all about history, if you care at all about steam engines or trains or want to see the coolest simulator of all time, go check it out, please. Um, awesome. You know what? It's not that hard to find. If you Google, like, Disneyland train simulator, it comes up. Really? Yeah. That's okay. all you need to do. Oh, there you go. Okay. It's a little easy, but... Yeah. All right, fair enough. I'm being sarcastic. I'm just not showing it. Um. <laughs> you? Sarcastic? <laughs> all right. Awesome, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out my kids' books, GraceCaptain.com. Oh, God. For fuck. Uh, the Grace Captain in the world. GraceCaptain.com. Check it out. Uh, please, if you can support me on Patreon, that'd be greatly appreciated. And I would like, oh, oh, and support your local tall ship. Find your local tall ship, Maritime Museum, Yacht Club, what have you. Check it out. Get on the boat. Take your kids out. Go sailing. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Learn, learn, read a history book. Open up a history book. Dear God, especially you, uh, well, not professors. They read too much. History professors go out and live. And non and Ren Fair people go out and read a history book. There, I've said it. I'm done. Uh, enough lecturing. <laughs> yeah. Don't let this impression be of what tall ship experience. There we go. Maybe. <laughs> All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed this drinking interview with uh, Mr. Preston and Mr. Johan. Uh, wishing everybody out there fair winds and a falling sea. Mm-hmm.